Hello, and welcome to Geek Between the Lines, the podcast that explores compelling themes and some of our favorite geeky properties. I'm Chris. I'm Brittany. And this week, we'll be discussing Hunger Games through the theme of passion. Before we get into the Hunger Games, what was the first passion that you can remember having? So when I was a kid, I really loved all sorts of creatures, Hmm. like even bugs, which I am not a big fan of now. But when I was a kid, I don't know. I liked everything. I wanted to be a veterinarian. Wow. I know. What and then, happened? And then I was like, oh, you have to put some animals to sleep? Mm. No, thanks. And now there's certain animals I really love. <laughs> <laughs> Guess I'm more discriminatory as I age. But yeah, what what about you? What were you passionate about when you were a child besides being super, super nerdy? When I was really young, I actually really enjoyed playing sports. <laughs> but specifically the sports I was good at, which so you weren't a like lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a time before I lost my metabolism in middle school. <laughs> you just lost it. It was gone. <laughs> Ever since then, I have... You just weren't able to find it. Exactly. <laughs> You've been searching. Uh, I really loved playing soccer, and I was pretty good at it. I also would play football um, and be like the receiver in touch football or flag football. At the time, I was really, like, fast and quick in particular, and so while I couldn't shoot in basketball, I couldn't hit the ball in baseball and all these other kinds of things, in soccer and in football in particular, I was actually pretty good, and I enjoyed playing probably just because people told me I was good. (laughs) So really, you were just passionate about compliments, and and nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. (laughs) Exactly the same to this day. Uh, Funnily enough, the other thing I was thinking about was how I got into acting, and Mm -hmm. I got into acting because people told me I was good at it. (laughs) So yeah, basically, I'm the exact same person. I mean, I do enjoy when you read the quotes, which unfortunately you're not doing this week, and it's me. (laughs) Good transition, though. Yeah. That was like the only time it actually applied. Well, yeah, this week's quote is from Catching Fire. This is during the quarter quell, the 75th Hunger Games, when Katniss and Peeta have a moment alone on the beach. A moment alone. A moment alone. An extended moment alone. And and what are they doing in this moment? Oh, they're smooching. (laughs) Oh, gross. (laughs) (laughs) The least passionate way to ever say that. (laughs) Snogging is much better. Snogging's better? (laughs) Necking? (laughs) Oh, all of them. (laughs) What's wrong with kiss? Let's just say kissing. They're kissing. The sensation inside me grows warmer, and it spreads out from my chest, down through my body out along my arms and legs, to the tips of my being. Instead of satisfying me, the kisses have the opposite effect, of making my need greater. I thought I was something of an expert on hunger, but this is an entirely new kind. Yeah, it is, Katniss. Yeah! (laughs) I do appreciate this quote very much. (laughs) I know you do. (laughs) I am a sucker for love stories and for people liking and wanting each other uh, especially if it's someone who i ship which i ship them Mm -hmm. so yeah uh definitely a good good moment i was gonna say your rom-com moment it's not really a calm so it's just your rom moment yeah your rom moment exactly your rom trage moment (laughs) that that sounds wrong for some reason (laughs) but it feels so right (laughs) 
Anyways, it was something that I actually really appreciated about the books when I first read them. It kind of has this very subtle kind of sexual awakening for Katniss Mm. as a character. And it's not the focus. It's not what the readers are there for. You know, it's just it's just subtly put in there at, at some points because it's all through her perspective. So things that she's thinking, things that she's feeling are there. Yeah, and it's an important part of many personal relationships, mm-hmm. right? And so I think it's nice to see that in books. And as you mentioned, particularly in books that that's not the focus, right? Mm-hmm. Like Exactly. Yeah, I, I do enjoy romances, but I also will romances? enjoy... Romances? Uh, I also Romances will en- with Roy? <laughs> exactly. I will also enjoy... In particular, books that I really, really love that include kind of realistic but also sweet scenes of real love mm-hmm. and real real desire. That's nice. <laughs> yeah, and I definitely agree with that, especially when it's books where it's not the focus. Mm-hmm. And especially knowing that there's so many people who are reading these who are, you know, youth. And it's not just completely shied away from it's not everything isn't like completely sanitized but it's also not graphic or it's not that either it's just this is a part of most people's lived experience at some point in time Mm -hmm. it can just be very much a part of being human even in the midst of all of these different things going on and it can be a part of confusion Mm -hmm. and not knowing how you feel about certain things and I appreciate that it's in there, even if it's just a little thing. Absolutely. Well, if we're done with all the smut, I guess we should move on to what? My character. (laughs) Your character. Yeah, I wanted to talk about Gail. He's quite passionate. Yeah, I think Gail's an interesting character, particularly in contrast with Katniss, because both of them share this love and this passion for hunting. Mm Mm-hmm. But... I think Gail exemplifies it as a passion more than Katniss does because both of them do it because they have to, to survive. But when they become soldiers in Mockingjay, Gail is the one who really leans into it and who gets excited about working with Beatty to utilize those techniques and those skills in new ways, and in particular in ways that deal with war. And not just hunting. In evil ways. Yeah, and not just hunting animals for game but actually using this to kill people who you're at war with and i think there's a few reasons why katniss doesn't have that same passion that kind of pushes her forward to do the same i think that a big part of it is just because they're different people i think that she is a more compassionate person and he is someone who when he labels someone enemy has very little to no compassion for them well he's the person that asks What's the difference, really, between killing an animal for food and killing a tribute in the games? Exactly. That's a really, really good, great example of it. And so that hunting kind of, yeah, it it is a way that colors his entire perspective on the world in many ways. For Katniss, though, she, I think, also has been traumatized by having to utilize those skills in a way that is harmful and violent. Mm -hmm. And that she can't just rely on those as skills to provide for her family and to provide food. She has seen what it means to use them against other people. She cannot remain passionate about them in the same way, I think, just because she is such a 
compassionate person. Yeah, I just think it's really interesting to see Gail, you know, we've, we've mentioned a few times on the podcast how he kind of exemplifies the darker aspects of Katniss and her personality at times. And I think this is a really interesting way of looking at how Katniss, without the PETA side, compassionate <laughs> side to her. Sorry, I was just like thinking of a side of pita bread when you said the PETA yeah, side. Yeah, the PETA side. He probably baked it for her too. <laughs> Sorry, continue. That Katniss, without having the traits that are more exemplified by PETA, could look more like Gale and be problematic and violent and aggressive in those ways that he utilizes his passion for hunting in ways that are ultimately damaging and do ultimately lead to their break. That mm-hmm. She cannot stay with him because he took this passion to its furthest extent and she has felt personally the damage that, that causes. Yeah, it's interesting. I kind of wonder, even from the beginning, if Katniss's passion for it really just stemmed from her want of an escape. Hmm. Because even after her first game, she still will use it to be away from everyone, to be in nature, to have solitude and quiet, and to be able to just focus on one thing Mm -hmm. and not have all of the rest of how terrible everything is there. Whereas, yeah, Gale could use it for that, but because we see him take it further and, like, enjoy coming up with kind of the psychological motivating factors behind an animal getting trapped or killed in some type of snare, he enjoys putting those skills to use in that way mm-hmm. where she she doesn't. And, and I don't know that she ever would have felt it, even if she hadn't gone into the games the same way that Gail does. But also I think maybe part of that stems from how passionate he is about the injustices mm. that are being done by the Capitol mm. and how passionate he is about doing whatever it takes to bring them down. I can understand that. I don't I wouldn't feel that the same way again. Hashtag pacifism. But I can understand when you see how, when you see the horrific things that the people in power are doing and there is no challenge to that power and you don't see anything changing, but you want something to change and there's finally an opportunity for there to Mm. potentially be changed that, yeah, that passion that you feel for bringing the capital down maybe made him way more okay with it than he would have been if he if he hadn't been so passionate about that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a really good point because that's also where we first see kind of rebellion against the capital is through Gale. And Mm -hmm. Katniss doesn't share that even at the beginning. Yeah, he just rages about it, which I would do. Mm -hmm. That I would do, Gale. I understand you there. And and that's another good reason why they like to hunt, right? Because it gives them Mm -hmm. the space to be able to do so. Yeah. All right, well, what plot did you bring? So I wanted to talk about the talents that the victors are supposed to have. So if you don't remember from the books, after a victor wins, then they have to go on this victory tour, Mm -hmm. right? During the victory tour, they have to showcase some of their talents. And it's disgusting in a lot of ways, (laughs) but we'll get there. So in Catching Fire, Peter's talent is painting but not baking, which we've already known he's been good at. Mm -hmm. But interestingly, 
PETA paints scenes from the games, things Mm -hmm. that he remembers, and takes this passion that he has and this talent that he has and almost uses it for, like, art therapy for on himself, you know, since you don't get any access to therapy after winning right. the games because this isn't supposed to be a traumatic event, right? But and it's not like he can rely on Hamish to help him out. <laughs> no, he cannot rely on <laughs> Hamish. So yeah, he he uses it in a way to to help him process mm. what he's been through. But also, which I would argue is a pretty rebellious way, too, because we're not supposed to see the uglier sides of the games outside of the games mm. in, in, a, in a sense. But, you know, he's using it that way. And then you have Katniss, who refuses to ha- have her, you know, talent be singing because she is passionate about that. And it's something that she shared with her father. And it's so personal to her that she doesn't want it to be another thing that the capital exploits yeah and so obviously she gets Cinna to <laughs> do her talent for her mm-hmm. <laughs> which is supposedly uh fashion designing <laughs> something Katniss would totally care about and do oh absolutely <laughs> <laughs> and I love when she's like yeah you want to see my talent Cinna worked really hard on it <laughs> <laughs> But through that, she was able to, like, have a lot more calls with Sinna and Mm. stuff and was able to engage with him in a friendly way and, like, engage with him on what he's passionate about. Mm -hmm. But just the whole concept of Victor's having to have a talent, I think, is just so disturbing because even after these people, these children, fought to the death to win, it's just another way that they're required to bring entertainment Mm. to the capital. And it just seems even more egregious because what kind of access did these kids have to learning skills or become passionate about anything that could be seen as an acceptable talent to show Panem when they're oppressed and have to be working in fields or starving to death Mm. or building machinery. These children have been told what their life is going to look like and the parameters within which they can live. And then to ask them to showcase what they're passionate about and supposed to be good at it just for the entertainment of the capital, who's already like taken everything for their entertainment. I think, yeah, just when I was thinking about it that way of these kids weren't allowed to be passionate about anything. And now you're asking them what they're passionate about and want to project it across the country. Yeah, it's just another way the capital is terrible. Yeah, it's done in a way to not only provide more entertainment, but also to ensure that these victors are relatable to the capital citizens, (laughs) right? Because they're not going to understand anything about their lives otherwise, right? If it's not lived in leisure and focused on things that aren't about survival, Mm -hmm. the entirety of their lives, and particularly the things that they are known for, has all been about survival, especially their participation in the Hunger Games. And now they have to be a token of admiration for these capital citizens. And so they, they represent the highest ideals of the capital, which are luxury, wealth, fame, 
Aesthetics. Aesthetics, exactly, mm-hmm. right? And I imagine that no one's talent is philosophy. <laughs> right? Let me sit here and tell you why we're living in a terrible dictatorship. <laughs> have you ever heard of the word dystopia? I'm sure you haven't. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I think that that's a really, really valid point, which definitely doesn't correspond with other things I was going to talk about this uh, oh, no. this podcast. Oh, whoops. Sorry. Well, can I talk a little bit more about that? Please. Or will that be a problem? No, do it. Okay. So based off of what you were just saying, yeah, I think it's also a way to show everyone that these victors aren't damaged. Mm. It's like, look, they can produce these beautiful things. Look, they can sing with all this passion or whatever their talent is. It shows, look, they've survived. And I imagine, and not not only just survived, but they can thrive. And I can imagine that also if, say, someone like Annie Cresta wasn't uh, stable enough to be able to make speeches or or whatever is required of them during the victory tour, Mm -hmm. that they would have other things done by other people, that they would, yeah, have a talent fabricated for her, right? Mm -hmm. Because they want to project this image of when you're a victor, you now are almost like one of the capital citizens. Yeah. And I could see it playing a role in influencing kids as they're growing up maybe it's the only time they ever get to see any talents for things that people are actually passionate about and they can only look up to those people when they're victors and were thrown into arena and had to kill to the death mm-hmm. and that that's when they get to do what they want so it's it's almost like this horrific incentive at the same time requiring people to be passionate when they very likely have the least ability to be passionate about anything. Yeah, it's it's a forced characterization that is ultimately dehumanizing. That gives them mm-hmm. something that the capital citizens can think of them as. Oh, they're a beautiful painter. Oh, they're a wonderful singer. But it's not real. Yep. yep. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go into my question if that's okay. Okay, go for it. Because I was wondering what you thought the talents of Finnick and Johanna are. Interesting. (laughs) My first thought was probably terrible. What was that? My first thought was maybe Finnick's is stripping. Well, that's the thing is I was wondering, is his, does his have to do with his sexual exploitation? Well, exactly, because... I imagine a lot of them feel like how Katniss does. They don't want to be vulnerable with something they're actually passionate Mm. about in front of everyone. Mm -hmm. And so maybe it's just easier to play into a way that the capital is already exploiting them. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I could also see Finnick wanting to try to go a completely different direction. Although he wouldn't know yet exactly how he's going to be exploited because they waited a few years because he was like, what, 14, 15. So, yeah, I don't know. I could see it being something. Maybe his his uh, talent was posing for like other <laughs> modeling artists. Yeah. Yeah, modeling. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Body he was building. writing poetry. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I thought it, it might be something. Not bodybuilding. He was like very like sleek because he was a swimmer. That's true. Maybe he was just swimming. 
It could be. <laughs> they take a above ground pool <laughs> on the victory tour. It's one person synchronized swimming. Yeah. <laughs> he synchronized they play it with himself. Music exactly. And he just... <laughs> but no, but that's that's the thing is I think it's really interesting to think about how the capital wants to exploit him. And so I almost feel like, yeah, your your hit of like poetry might be really on the money because it would be something that can seem romantic or passionate and help to like increase the perceived value while not being something that like I feel like modeling or stripping would be something that in some ways like decreases it because then it's seemingly more Other available. People get this. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And the exclusiveness of it I think is so important. But that is such an interesting question, particularly for Finnick, because the characterization that's put on him is so defined by concepts of passion that, again, are dehumanizing and, and forced upon him. Mm-hmm. But And are the exact opposite of passion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But what does that mean for someone who is supposed to be defined in some ways by a talent that they're passionate about? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Joanna, I just think, would be funny. Yeah. <laughs> Joanna, what is her talent? I could see her talent just being like um roasting people. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that would be wonderful. <laughs> Other than that, I don't know. Like axe throwing? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say like, you know, how they do in circuses or with illusionists and everything like that. Like if they had throwing knives or, you know, yeah. one of those sorts. Only of... she doesn't care if she <laughs> hits the assistant. <laughs> and actually she gets well, them right on target. No, but please, who's going to be pulled from the assistant is going to be someone from her, you know, from the districts. That's true. Right. That's so she she would actually care. Yeah. If it was a capital citizen, then it'd just be like, oh, I guess I wasn't as good at my aim as I thought I was. (laughs) Or just she promises to be really good at rock, paper, scissors, but she doesn't actually do anything differently. Yeah, (laughs) She just plays rock, paper, scissors because there's no way to be good at it unless you're Mm. like reading micro expressions, but she doesn't care enough to do (laughs) She doesn't care about micro expressions. (laughs) She doesn't even care about normal expressions. Exactly. Yeah. I was also thinking, you know, she she talks about how she refused to be sexually exploited, and that's why they killed her family. Was it that she refused to be sexually exploited? That's how I always took it, yeah. That's what the Wikipedia said. Interesting. I didn't I didn't remember that or slash read it that way, but that's fascinating. Yeah, that she basically yeah. she defied the capital. I mean go Johanna. And so they killed everyone she cared about. But then I thought at that she was point, just defined in like her other ways. But that would be a very interesting take on it, yeah. But then I wonder if that's true for her talent as well. Where she's like, I'm not going to pretend to have a talent for you all. So maybe they had to do something off screen that made it seem like she had one. Kind of like we were talking about earlier where they had to kind of fabricate it for her. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, her kind of robust rebelliousness, uh, <laughs> I think, makes it really interesting to think about not only what her talent would be if she had to choose one, but how she might not choose one at all. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, what's your compelling question for me? So my question is, to you, is there a district or, like, a group of people that you think is shown to be the most passionate in Penem? Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because the first thing that comes to mind is the capital because they have the space to be passionate. 
Mm-hmm. But what you said earlier about it being kind of a fake passion is really interesting to me, that it's 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 a passion, particularly in someone like Finnick's case, where it's not passionate because it's forced upon them, whether it be sexual exploitation or the talents or whatever else it might be, right? It's so mm-hmm. serviceable, it's so vapid, that are they actually passionate about these things, or is it something that is performative? For me, when I made that comment, I was meaning more like, when you're sexually exploiting someone, I don't consider any of that passion, I just consider it exploitation and violence. So that's that's why I was making that comment, but I think you have other good points here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, that kind of, I think, is an interesting way of looking at it. When it comes to the districts, obviously 13 has no passion whatsoever. <laughs> born, born the people. least passionate. The least passionate. Yes. So yeah, I don't know. I wonder if you could say that 12 has more room to be passionate because there's less stringency on them. So they have more room to kind of build the hob and have relationships and, and a black market that kind of goes outside of the things that they're supposed to be ex- and expected to do. And right? have certain dances. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I, I wonder if that's the case. But again, we don't see much of the other districts. What, what were you thinking? Well, I was thinking in some ways, I think District 2 is passionate. Mm. I think passionate and very unfortunate ways, which is for violence and warfare. I mean, not everyone, but most, right? Enough. That volunteering is an actual thing that's mm. regularly engaged in in District 2 and they can train and stuff ahead of time. I do think, I think in some ways the capital is, yeah, like you were saying, the kind of the questions of how performative certain aspects would be or how shallow it would be so it's like it's not like a deeply rooted passion it's just kind of there because it's almost like group think rather than an individual person like being passionate about it because they are Mm. but i i do think in some instances we do get to see people be quite passionate i mean you have cinna you have stylus in general uh tigress yeah you have tigress you have Cressida, who was directing, you have Pollux and Castor, you know, the whole team who a lot of them had other extra skills, you know, they, they had the access and the ability to be able to, I'm sure, go to school for cinematography and, and those types of things that everyone in the districts never had the access to. And you even have game makers, right, who are doing terrible things with their passion, but mm. have a passion for directing and crafting certain types of narratives. Awful and death contraptions. Entertainments. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah. And then, I mean, obviously the, the residents in general of the capital, I think they do seem to in some ways get passionate about the tributes, at least in a way that they would monetarily support it and for it to lead them to go into complete riot at the quarter quell when all of these people that they've been in some way or another kind of attached to um, and following their, you know, quote unquote career, whatever it would be mm. for years. And now that basically all of them are going to die. I, I don't know if I would qualify that as passion because again, there's so many yeah. problematic aspects, but in general, I mean the, the, the fashion and the tattoos and the parties, like some of that does seem like self-expression and other parts of it just seems kind of like, one-upping each other and yeah. like the keep up with our neighbor who got those other types of tattoos and so yeah just all kind of 
made me think about how much maybe being passionate is a privilege mm. because when you're fighting to survive, when you're doing everything you possibly can so that you don't starve to death, you don't have the same room to be passionate that others do. And and the fact that Cinna and Cressida and them were able to put their passion for restructuring society and fighting against the oppression and their passion for their skills and their talents that they've invested in like that they were able to merge those things together which i think is a beautiful thing but it is a privilege because most of the people in panem never would get the opportunity to engage their passions in a significant way like that yeah absolutely yeah well my original missed opportunity was actually going to be that there wasn't an explicit engagement with privilege and passion and how they intersect. Mm. But I think that you covered that more eloquently than I could have. <laughs> uh, so instead, I'm, I'm going to say my missed opportunity is also based off of what you're just saying. I think it'd be really, really fascinating to see an exploration of the fandom of the Capital Citizens mm. and what that looks like. Yeah, I am kind of having a weird moment of being all like, we have a fan podcast like, <laughs> I can actually understand this passionate fandom of these capital citizens, yeah. right? Of loving mm -hmm. something and being of so engaged. Because exactly. they're characters at the point. You don't know them. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you our cry first... cry when they die. Well, I don't. You do. <laughs> <laughs> I would, yes. Uh, you know, and, and our first podcast was on a reality television show, mm -hmm. you know? So it was about real people and navigating that was weird for us yeah, in some ways too. Yeah. So yeah, it's just, I think it'd be really interesting to see what that looks like. You know, do they write fan fiction? Do they? <laughs> they totally <laughs> of course write, they write fan, fan fiction. fiction. Yeah. I should, the question should have been, what kind of fan fiction do they write? All of the kinds. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You know, but. How... Some of them like Katniss gets tattoos and a boob job. Like <laughs> literally. Totally. The fan art them. is intense <laughs> as well. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and all yes. that I think is, would be really interesting to see more of to see a kind of more direct engagement with something because we do see so much of this kind of surface level performative passion in just looks and comfort and food and experiences and things like that but we also know the capital citizens are really really enamored with the hunger games and with the victors and what does that look like yeah. You know, what does it look like to have them really care about something? And it could even been, you know, as they're going through the apartments at the end of Mockingjay, seeing some sort of memorabilia or something interesting about what it means to be a fan of a specific victor or something. Oh, you know, it would be terrible. Tell me. But so good if when Katniss just kills that woman who is like walking out of the kitchen like mm. eating a, a sausage or something if in that home they like found katniss fan out or something yeah. like how complicated would that be yeah exactly so yeah i just i think that would be really really interesting yeah it is really interesting and it's interesting that you say that because it's also kind of an would be a very interesting look at if the capital also uses and tries to foster fandom and this passion for the games and for the victors and or tributes as a way of controlling the population 
so that they don't actually become passionate about things themselves mm. and don't have their own ways of thinking about things and their own passions that they want to invest in lest more people turn out like Cinna and Cressida and whatnot. Hmm. Interesting. Well, did you have a missed opportunity? Yes. So mine is, I think that it would just be so interesting to see how, uh, so after the war, how youth being exposed to other districts, even the capital and like different industries would affect their passion. Hmm. Yeah, I just have all of these questions of, you know, could you travel to other districts and, and learn and train or and work there? You know, are people able to engage differently with their work and their vocations and what they're passionate about after the war? I mean, obviously, there has to be like a rebuilding process. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, oh, everybody just now has enough to eat and there's no disease and there's no... But I think it just would have been really interesting to see how passion would be factored into like rebuilding or rewriting curriculum and, and things like that and how that could affect younger generations growing up in how they engaged in passion when most people in every other generation never would have had the space for it. Yeah, yeah, that's fascinating. As as usual, what comes next is something that, you yeah. know, is so, so interesting. And while I really value the way that she leaves it ambiguous, I also want to know more. Well, and that's the thing, I think, because The Hunger Games are written so well, mm-hmm so often our missed opportunities are like things that are completely understandable for why they're not in the books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, yeah, because she was writing a good book series. Exactly. And it wouldn't include this. But so what is your takeaway from this conversation? I mean, I think that a lot of our conversation has been centered around this idea of passion and privilege, but it also makes me think more about where Katniss and her agency comes in in regards to passion. Because for the majority of the first two books, she is put in positions that she has very little control over. Mm -hmm. And so she doesn't have really a passion outside of wanting to stay alive and then wanting to make sure PETA stays alive. And I don't know if you could call the desire to for survival passion. Perhaps you could. But it makes me wonder how then in the third book she starts grappling with having a little bit more freedom, obviously still having lots of constraints put against her just by different actors at times, but how she tries to kind of make her way and how passion kind of engages with that. Is she passionate about killing Snow or is she just driven and stubborn and Mm -hmm. obsessed? And is that kiss with Peta, does it stand out so much because it is one of the only moments that she shows real passion and real hunger for something other than survival. Yeah, I don't know. These are just questions that are kind of percolating in my mind. Mm. How about you? What's your takeaway? I'm kind of thinking about multiple categories of passion. Hmm. I mean, obviously, the obvious would be being passionate sexually and being passionate about a cause. Those are two very different things. But kind of thinking about the idea of being a passionate person person Mm. and being passionate about a specific activity or even a specific cause Hmm. because I think I'm very passionate as a person because like I care about everything to a very deep degree Mm -hmm. so 
the things I love, I really love. The things that really frustrate me make me livid. <laughs> Whereas other people are like, mm, doesn't matter that much, or yeah. mm, that doesn't bother me. It's like, but it's the worst, <laughs> you know. And so, yeah, I'm just kind of wondering about some people are like so focused in their passions, and other people, I think, are just maybe passionate. And I and I wonder if Katniss would be a person who's just generally passionate Mm. like so she's livid at the capital for what they've done and normally it bothers her but then she sees rue get killed right and she's going to take action that is defiant and bold even if it could kill her Mm. because she's just she's she's passionate and i think that her passion fuels a lot of her defiance but then someone like gail i think is passionate for very specific things and not like everything in general. So yeah, that's interesting, know. yeah. Because I feel like I'm probably the more specifically passionate person. Yeah, I agree. And so maybe that's why I don't necessarily read Katniss's passion as passion because I experience it so differently. Uh, yeah, that's fascinating. Hmm. Hmm. Well, what will we talk about next week? Next week, we're going to be going back to Avatar and Legend of Korra. And we're going to be looking through the theme of identity. Well, that's really funny because I just wrote my monthly blog post about identity in Final Fantasy VII. Oh, hey. Yeah, so it'll be an interesting double feature of identity. (laughs) Yes, the double feature. (laughs) Well, thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of Geek Between the Lines. You can find us on social media by searching for Geek Between the Lines on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Pinterest. You can also go to our website at bit.ly slash geekbetweenthelines. You can also join our amazing patrons over at patreon.com slash geekbetweenthelines, where you can get access to all sorts of extra content, have a say in upcoming episodes, and all sorts of other fun things. We want to thank Kimberly Taylor-Pastel at Lacelet for designing our logo. You can find her designs at lacelet.com or search them for Lacelet on Facebook or Instagram. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week. Until then, geek out! out.